Welcome to Bits About Books, the home for conversations with authors of breakthrough books on sales, marketing and business. Founders, entrepreneurs and individual professionals, we all need to keep track of ideas that are helping create our today and tomorrow. Bits About Books will strive to find those books and speak to their authors, go behind the scenes and understand what inspired the authors to write the books that they did and how they went about doing so. Through our conversations, we hope to gain insights that will help us to get the most out of our efforts. I'm your host Shubhanjan Sarkar, founder of Pitchlink, the next generation buyer-seller engagement platform where our mission is to make buying easy. Welcome to Bits About Books. Thank you for your time and for joining us in this session. I have a favor to ask. While you continue to listen to the podcast, please leave a comment or rating at iTunes or wherever else you get your podcasts from. I personally look at each comment and will give you a shout out to each of you in our following episodes. It means a lot to hear from you. Our guest today is Dhruv Nath and we speak with him about his brand new book, The Dream Founder. The two most important things that co-founders must have, A, trust and B, common vision. Everything else can be built or can follow. I would suggest one thing to people who are looking for co-founders and I haven't found one. Your ideal option is somebody you already know who has the similar kind of vision. Obviously, there has to be trust between them. But because you know the person, either they will be trust or they won't be. The ideal option actually is uh, look at your college friends or maybe seniors, juniors, because that's a big uh, catchment area. The other option is keep attending a lot of events. Because physical events, you know, you'll meet a lot of people, you'll find somebody you vibe well with, spend time with that person and maybe he's the right guy. I have also suggested, very often this is a, it's a very common method use, take a senior employee who has complementary skills. So let's say you want a tech co-founder, take a senior employee and try him out. But never, never add on a co-founder in a hurry because... In fact, I was hearing from somebody, it's very difficult to get rid of a co-founder. You can get a divorce, eh? that's easier, (laughs) but you can't get rid of a co-founder. Dr. Dhruv Nath is a professor at MDI Gurgaon, a director with Lead Angels and an angel investor. Earlier, he was a senior vice president with NIIT Limited. He has been a consultant to the top management of several organizations like Glaxo, Gillette, Nestle, Indian Oil Corporation, Thermax and Bajaj Auto as well as to the Prime Minister of Namibia and the Chief Minister of Delhi. Dhruv has a B.Tech in Electrical Engineering and a PhD in Computer Science, both from IIT Delhi. He has written five books, the latest being The Dream Founder, the subject of our session today. Now, on to this episode on The Dream Founder with Dhruv Nath. Dhruv, welcome to Bits About Books. I am delighted to have you back on the show. Uh, you, there are not many who, who write multiple books, by the way. Coming back on the show is not a very regular uh, exercise. Okay, so so welcome. Thank you so much and it's always great to be with you. Why did you think that another book on startups had to be written? What really triggered you to write this book? So, um, Shubhanjan, as we had discussed last time, I had earlier written this book, Funding Your Startup and other nightmares and i would like to emphasize and other nightmares yes um and this book went out in the market uh 
I realized that there were a lot of issues which went way beyond funding. Okay. Uh, fundraising is only one of the issues that a founder faces. So typically the founder will face things like a lot of people have asked me, how do I get a co-founder? How do I know I've got the right co-founder? A lot of people ask me about, look, I have such a small startup. I don't have a brand. People don't want to join me. How do I get people to join me? <clears throat> how do I get people to join me and then stay? Um, then there are issues like, um, you know, people talk about scalability. How do we make sure our business becomes scalable? How do we execute uh, in a way that we are scalable, we are able to grow fast? And I think the most, one of the most important issues, one of the most important questions, which people have asked me over the past uh, two and a half years, uh, specifically after 25th March uh, 2020, is what the hell do I do in COVID, right? So it was very clear that funding was, while it was a very important issue, everybody needs money to be able to run your company, but there is a lot more beyond that. And that's where I started trying to put together problems that uh, you know founders faced and which is how this uh, entire thing got together and I called it the, the dream founder. That's it. I think you'll probably have, mine is Ulta. Yeah. So that's how it happened. And I've always felt like, I've always been a writer. In fact, this is my fifth book. Uh, and um, it's always been good fun to write and I believe if it is fun to write, it'll be fun to read and hopefully it'll be useful as well. Absolutely. Um so, so my my question is, uh, you, you are very deeply entrenched in the startup ecosystem in in Delhi, uh, and you are looking at lot of first hand. I mean, uh, first hand you are looking at uh, startups, their challenges, uh, what they are looking for, etc. Uh, so, when you said that, okay, I need to sort of expand the horizon beyond funding, and I need to give a more holistic, uh, for the lack of a better word. Uh, approach to 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 the startup idea uh, what did you do next how how did the book take shape okay so uh, it followed more or less the same path that my earlier book funding of startup took which is uh, step one i just tried to figure out what the issues are that people want to uh, understand right and clearly, they emerged. Marketing was one very major issue. People was a very major issue, starting with your co-founder. Attitude of the founder became a huge issue. And, you know, these are things which I learned because for the past 10, 12 odd years, I've been dealing with uh, founders. In fact, a lot of this also came up because uh, before I became a professor and later an angel investor, I spent about 20 years in the IT industry where a lot of people issues came up. So some of that also went into this. So I step one was to identify uh, those issues which actually trouble founders and which founders need to focus on. Step two was, I've always believed, you know, you need something simple that you can understand and remember because then you'll be able to apply it. So in the first book, I had something called the persistent framework for a business. Here I kept trying to figure out uh, um, you know, an appropriate uh, framework and I came up with DREAM Founder. So DREAM is actually an acronym. Uh, so D stands for Dream Big. 
R stands for right team, E stands for execution, E is for attitude, and M for make opportunities out of crisis, which really got triggered by the COVID crisis. So that was the uh, second step. Third step was having created this because this seemed to be just uh, what I wanted. Then I started scouting around for people who either fitted into this framework as a dream founder or did not fit in and therefore they become failure stories. And so I started gathering uh, these things. Uh, and fortunately, I was able to get enough both successes as well as failures. And finally, I said, look, these are all young startups. These are startups within, let's say, one, two, three, maximum four years of starting. Let me now try and talk to some of the real biggies, you know, the Zomatos of the world and the uh, Nokris of the world and the Make My Trips of the world and, of course, Meena Ganesh. So, which is why I went to, you know, these really successful guys and that topped up everything. So, on the one hand, therefore, I had stories uh, about people who either were dream founders or were not. And two, I had a lot of gyan from, you know, these big guys. So, that's really the process I followed. Just to quickly touch upon, how have you accommodated the non-dream founders? Are they are they separate chapters of their own or are, are those stories woven into the success stories? Yeah, no. In fact, uh, every chapter that I have is about one startup. Most chapters. There are some, start, some chapters which are more generic. For example, the chapter on attitude uh, is covers many startups. But most of them will have one startup. So each failure case has been one start, one uh, chapter, right? And I'll just take a very simple example. Uh, there was one person, and by the way, in each failure case, I have been very careful to hide the name of both the founder as well as the uh, company because it's not fair, you know, to make it available to the public. So there was one example of a person who said, he had come from a corporate background and he says one of the problems we face is that feedback from junior levels, feedback from the grassroots rarely reaches the top and the top therefore sits in their ivory tower and makes their decision but they never get this feedback, right? So he says, look, I will create a, a, a piece of software where anybody so it's like a suggestion box. Anybody can make a complaint or give feedback and also give suggestions, right? But it actually goes beyond a suggestion box because it creates a thread. So if you give feedback and there are three other people who say, oh, wow, great idea, I will support it. Then in software, the top management figures out which kinds of suggestions have the maximum support and therefore they can focus on them rather than focusing on 2000 of these. So uh, he had actually come to us for funding. Fundamental question which we asked him was, look boss, you've done this, but what's your entry barrier? And he says, look, you know, I've created this piece of software. It will take people time to create it. I fortunately have a software background. And I said, look, in simple, in a, as, a, as a simple version, it will probably take maybe two programmers, two months to create this. So what is to prevent your client from saying, I will not use this. Why the hell should I pay money for it? I will simply quickly create this internally. And he need not have all the frills and fancies and so on. It may take just two man months, right? There was no answer. So, you know, the point is, this was a clear example where he was solving a problem, but there was no entry barrier. 
right? And this therefore forms the separate chapter. Similarly, I have a few other guys who, uh, you know, have formed chapters on their own. Because I think, you know, personally, if you ask me, and I think that's probably true, um, you can perhaps learn far more from failures than you can from successes. And ideally, you should learn from somebody else's failure rather than you failing, right? So there is a lot of focus on failures. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more. In fact, I was just about to say that uh, there is a case for destigmatizing failure yes. and celebrating it. Because in India, if we, uh, like uh, in your dedication you wrote to the startup capital of the world, Correct. if we want to be there actually and be there, we have to change our attitude as a nation to failures. So I would I would just add to that, uh, um, Shubhanjan. Make being being a failure or failing in doing something is not a problem in itself. The key issue is as long as you learn from it. You know, if you don't learn from it and you keep making the same fa- same mistake again and again, then God help you. And I don't think even God would want to help. Of course, <laughs> of course, I, I I agree totally. So I think the learning, is, learning is critical. Right, right. Uh, so, so again, coming back to uh, the structure of the book. So, because you arrived at DREAM as your acronym, so to say, or a framework, right? your book actually followed that structure. That's right. That's right. almost, almost. Yes, you're right. Okay. So, so okay. That, that makes sense to me now. I mean, I, I understand why it is structured the way it is structured. Correct. Except, except for one thing. The A for attitude I brought in very early because that's a that's a common theme across all successful startups. See, one of the things I have, I have multiple things in attitude, and incidentally, a lot of what I've learned about attitude is from my one of my mentors today, which is Sanjeev Bikchandani Nokri. Phenomenal, phenomenal learning. And the other person I've learned it from is my ex-boss when I was working in NIT, which is RS Power the right attitude. Right? So I'll just give you a quick story. So uh, and this, by the way, is from the book. There was a very well-known um, uh, branch manager of a, of a big shot FMCG company. And he had one young management trainee from one of the IIMs who joined him. Right. So I won't name them, but I've taken fictitious names in the book. So this branch manager, you know, when the, the management trainee joined him, uh, he said, look, you go to the store, uh, there are a lot of posters and these are posters about our products and then you pick up a bucket of glue and then you go around town and, you know, keep pasting these posters on the walls. So the guy from the IM, was, I mean, he was, uh, he was horrified. He says, look, I am an MBA and that too from the IM. Come on, yeah, this is not my job. So that guy tried to convince him. He says, no, this is not my job. An office boy would do it. Maybe far better than I could. So the branch manager said, okay, no problem. So he gave him something else. He said, look, you go to uh, our various Kirana stores and uh, take feedback and try and sell them more stocks. He says, no, that's okay. That's fine. Uh, for my background, that's fine. So this uh, young management trainee went to these Kirana shops and every Kirana shop he went to, he saw... Some distance away, behind him, there was some person who was putting up posters. Okay, And every time this guy moved ahead, 
that guy would follow him and again put up posters so finally after the fourth or fifth shop uh, this guy got curious ki who is this so he went to meet him and it turned out to be the branch manager so this guy uh, the management trainee apologized profusely i'm so sorry sir i will not say no again took the bucket from him took the posters and started putting it up now i think the message is very 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 important the message is number one no job is below my dignity right and i think that's a message everybody has to you know a lot of founders will go into their ivory tower and do strategizing and so on and you know high level sales i just recently discovered that once in a quarter dipinder goel or zomato actually puts on a red t-shirt and does deliveries right in gurgaon i think that's wonderful because a you understand the pulse of what's happening at the ground level right so if i go back to this uh, i am guy you know tomorrow he would have a team of maybe office boys or whatever under him who would have to go and put up posters now he had to train them he would have to tell them look don't put them too close together otherwise you're wasting them don't put them so far apart that by the time you come to the second poster uh you know the guy has forgotten the brand don't put them in a place where it is surrounded by your competition because then nobody notice you right things like this so you can do that only if you've done it yourself and face the music and i think that's a very very important thing uh, so i would summarize it in the following way no job is below my response below my dignity everything is my responsibility yes i cannot do everything because then that's physically impossible but i must be willing to do everything so i think that's a key part of attitude and uh, that's why i said attitude i brought in right in the beginning in the first section and then you know from time to time we have multiple startups who uh, show this kind of attitude right this is a great point to actually dive into the book mm-hmm. <clears throat> and uh, let's uh, sort of follow your str- your your path so you uh start by the story of insta mojo right uh what what made you choose their story so in the in the back of my mind what i had was dream you should have gone through a crisis at least one crisis you should be dreaming big you should have done certain unique things in terms of execution you should have had innovative methods of marketing and you have the right attitude right so i had that background in mind when i started choosing people now this guy um um sorry i forget his name for a minute um, akash gelani gehani akash gehani uh, he was actually a student of mine from mdi although i didn't remember him okay. this guy they dreamt really big they said look we ultimately want to be providers of whatever any small business online wants we are focusing on largely online businesses we are a one stop shop for everything they want across the country now that's a huge opportunity huge dream right to so dream big um then if you come to things like um, uh, the right team right uh, there were two things they did one is they had three co-founders right so there were three of them and the good thing is that these guys had complementary skills so one had a tech background one you know was very good at strategy one was great at implementing operations 
ideal and they trusted each other they knew each other they trusted each other which is very very important but at the same time they were not they didn't blindly agree with each other so they would have huge fights but the vision was common vision was common we want um, you know <clears throat> we want to be able to provide everything we should be the primary provider to any online business any small online business they're not talking of reliance jio or you know amazon and so on so right team of course then we also got into how they were recruiting people and looking after them but basically starting with the co-founders then um, you look at the things like attitude right they were very very clear very very clear whatever my customer wants i will provide so for example for example they you know they had a lot of people who were doing online tutorial classes okay no problem they had people who were doing you know online consulting they would come through these guys and they would make payments available through instamojo but they also had some ladies who were cooking baking cakes at home and those cakes had to be delivered so they said look our approach is for the customer anything he wants as long as that's a large enough uh, uh, segment we will take care so they actually tied up with uh, logistics partners and delivery started happening okay uh, so deliveries uh, meaning <clears throat> it is not just that we will accept payments we will help you to uh, do deliveries as well right so that was uh, the the portion about attitude then if you look at execution <clears throat> one very very important issue is marketing right they had a very phenomenal a uh, business model see how they started was my customer is a small online business right and they have customers who will buy their products and i will basically help the uh, the my customer which is the small business to collect money from his customer okay that was their starting point now look at the way they grew this guy the customer of theirs would have maybe 500 other customers many of whom would themselves be small businesses okay or small businessmen so suddenly they found this is a great way to collect payment and i'm talking of about 8 years back 7 8 years back right that time you didn't have too many payment opportunities so without having to spend at all purely through a good experience of the customer's customer they had guys joining them uh, that's a that's a phenomenal thing which i thought people should learn about so that's how you really get uh, referrals right and of course the last bit was uh, uh, making opportunities out of crisis and they had a major crisis somewhere not not during covid but before covid uh, for whatever reason they were not able to raise funding and they said look we have to tighten our belts we have to become sustainable so they actually cut cost dramatically and tightened their belts and they became profitable and after that suddenly investors started taking interest right so they actually used the crisis of no money and therefore we become far more sustainable uh, to become attractive to investors in the future so it's been a great story and i think the reason why i picked it one of course is he's my student but the other bigger reason is he fitted in and you know ticked all these five boxes basically even making the most out of crisis also sort of tunes in with attitude right absolutely so these are all linked you are absolutely right 
you know so i'll give you an example um when covid happened because that is probably the biggest crisis that hit anybody uh, in the last maybe century uh, maybe apart from the world wars when covid happened you had broadly two kinds of founders there were some founders who would say mar gaya okay i will only watch netflix or i'll play video games and i'll curse the hell out of the wuhan virus but there were those founders who say no i'm going to fight and that fighting spirit is a very very large part of attitude i would say that's a key part and i would call it perseverance or you know being persistent or just hang in there keep on and on at it and you'll figure out a way to so there are many other guys who been able to come out of crisis and uh, it you're right it all comes back to attitude it's time for a short break stay with us after the break see i have been a mentor i've invested in about 15 odd startups and i've been a mentor to well over 100 maybe a couple of 100 and i saw in a lot of cases there were some cases where there was one founder and he was going absolutely bonkers you know when you have to raise money that's a full time job how do you run your business and raise the money at the same time it's a real crisis he couldn't do justice to either right on the other hand i have also seen uh, startups where they had five co-founders okay major issue why because <laughs> first of all there are five six salary five fixed salaries to be paid every month right number two many of these people had overlapping skills You are listening to a Business Podcast Network original. Podcasting is the fastest growing content marketing opportunity which is untapped. We can help you craft your audio strategy and help leverage the wide reach and easy streaming capability that the smartphone penetration provides. It is easy, it is powerful and personal. Talk to us to find out how podcasting can help you build your brand and reach out to your targets like never before. Write to us at bpn at bizcast dot in. That is bpn at b i z c a s t dot i n. Business Podcast Network. Podcasts end to end. Welcome back. I'm Shubhanjan Sarkar, your host for Bits About Books and founder of Pitchlink, the buyer seller engagement platform. Let's dive right back into the episode where we left it. nothing can reduce the importance of getting a good team going sure uh, you also uh, advocate that one should not be a single founder one should have co-founders uh, tell a bit about how that that segment took uh, <clears throat> to got the structure that you provided see i have been a mentor i've invested in about 15 odd startups and i've been a mentor to well over 100 maybe couple of 100 and i saw in a lot of cases there were some cases where there was one founder and he was going absolutely bonkers you know when you have to raise money that's a full time job how do you run your business and raise the money at the same time it's a real crisis he couldn't do justice to either right on the other hand i have also seen uh, startups and there was one startup which uh, appeared in my first uh, book where they had five co-founders okay major issue why because first of all there are five six salary five fixed salaries to be paid every month right number two 
many of these people had overlapping skills so there was i think there were two tech guys now one of them had to head tech but you had two guys what do you do so it's an overkill and gradually they started fighting amongst each other and finally two people left and it came down to three so i have actually seen this happening which is where i picked it up from i said look the number of co-founders is very important two is two or three is ideal less than two is not a good idea and uh, obviously more than three more than four let's say is definitely not great right and then what also emerged was you know where i talked about the fact that these people had overlapping skills it's very important to have complementary skills if you're a marketing guy then you have to have another guy who has a tech background if you have a tech company right you have to have somebody who understands finance or somebody who understands operations right so complementary skills are required vision has to be common very very important otherwise you'll keep fighting every day so i think all this came up from the i would say the the failures that i have seen where i have seen founders bickering amongst each other where you know sometimes i have had peculiar situations where the two founders met me independently he was what do i do so i realized look this is a common problem so therefore it goes into my book so that's really how it happened i think this came more out of failures you mentioned to me before we start i mean at the beginning of this uh, chat that <clears throat> founders keep asking you how do i find a co-founder and how do i know that that co-founder is the right co-founder uh, what does the book uh, what prescription does the book provide on that one so first of all there is no prescription there are only thoughts <laughs> you know many of these things it's a hit and trial right and i have just given some ideas um so first of all i think the most the two most important things that co-founders must have a trust and b common vision everything is can be built or can follow right you don't have a common vision there is one guy for example i have one story uh, about two co-founders i think they were called if i remember right akela and dukela if i remember right, right? uh so one of them had huge ambitions he said look we have started in kanpur and i think they were offering urban urban company kind of services i started in kanpur but you know we must expand to multiple towns we'll have to cover the whole of uttar pradesh and finally go beyond that and for which we'll raise funding and obviously we'll make a loss because you know we are putting everything into growing and the other guy was very highly conservative government uh you know parents who had work in government jobs no boss it has to be sustainable if it means we grow slowly we grow slowly let's stick to one town first this is one example and uh, they finally had to split because the vision was not common right trust is obviously very very important i i would suggest one thing to people who are looking for co-founders and i haven't found one your ideal option is somebody you already know who has the similar kind of vision obviously there has to be trust between them but because you know the person either they will be trust or they won't be and if they won't be trust then you will not take that person on as a co-founder anyway the ideal option actually is uh, look at your college friends or maybe seniors juniors because that's a big uh, catchment area right the other option is keep attending a lot of events because physical events you know you'll meet a lot of people you'll find somebody you vibe well with spend time with that person and maybe he's the right guy i have also suggested very often this is a it's a very common method used take a senior employee 
who has complementary skills. So let's say you want to take co-founder, take a senior employee and try him out. If you f- and give him some ESOPs. If you find him good and you find you know vision is common, etc., etc., increase the ESOPs to a significant amount so he becomes a co-founder. But never, never, you know, never add on a co-founder in a hurry. Because, in fact, I was hearing from somebody, it's very difficult to get rid of a co-founder. You can get a divorce, eh? that's easier. <laughs> but you can't get rid of a co-founder. Absolutely. The book moves on to execution after that. And which, I guess, is the crux of any startup success. That's I think you can, with great team, great idea, great opportunity, if there is no execution, there is no startup, right? I mean... Uh, what is it that makes some teams good in execution and some teams not? I think, I think Shubhanjan, here, I, I don't know if I can identify any one or two factors. Um, because execution is something which will vary. See, marketing, a lot of it would be common. Attitude is common, right? Dream big is common. Execution is something which varies so dramatically from uh, business to business that I don't think they can be a common uh, theme. But maybe what I'll do is I'll share with you a couple of examples, right, again from the book. So there is one very interesting uh, story uh, about a company called iDream. iDream. These guys, what they were doing was they were into um, online, well, not online, digital learning. Uh, See, okay, look at Baiju's. Baiju's is into all learning of all subjects for school children and you know you either do it online or you buy a tablet from Baiju's and uh, you learn whatever subjects you want and Baiju's has been very very successful it's a mammoth today right but these guys what they realized was if you look at the lower strata of society a they can't afford Baiju's and b in any case, for example, you look at government schools or you look at village schools. I have been to several village schools, by the way. And in many cases, you don't have teachers, you don't have seats, uh, you don't have electricity for you know much of the day. Uh, internet at best is patchy, and these poor kids are hardly learning. So what they have done is they have actually created a, a package where they have. Um, they have digital content, so English, uh, Hindi, uh, other languages as well, and uh, science, right? Biology, physics, chemistry. All this content has been made available on in digital format, and they uh, supply this to schools, to affordable schools, and it's in vernacular, except English, obviously. Now, here is where execution becomes extremely critical. So I had been with these guys to a place in a village school in Bhivadi, which is a very small town in Rajasthan. And it's actually a village beyond Bhivadi. And the roads there are terrible. So fortunately, I had taken a taxi. I hadn't taken my car. Uh, therefore, and I was very lucky because, I mean, the way it went, the, the axle would probably not have survived. So when I reached there, I actually saw their solution. They told me three things. They said, look, execution is the biggest problem we have faced. Why? Number one, there is no internet. Or if at all it is there, it is 
very very sporadic very very sporadic right so how do you do online learning so they said okay we have low cost tablets and we have on onboarded or so not onboarded already preloaded all the software on the tablet so no internet connection required okay wonderful that's one second they said electricity is off and on right village schools obviously sometimes you'll have it sometimes you won't so how do these tablets get charged so what they had done was they had created one cabinet some kind of cabinet where after class the students would put in their tablets and those tablets when you insert it it automatically gets connected to a connector it inserts in a connector and that is connected to the electric supply so even if you get 2 hours of supply any time in 24 hours it could be midnight it could be whatever the tablets get charged right so they took took care of this problem where charging was an issue because you never know when the electricity would come third issue you know many of these government schools see there is the government's program which is your csr program right where uh, corporates are told to spend part of your profits i think 2% of your profits on socially relevant uh, projects and uh, village education is one of them healthcare would be one more and so on so a lot of these um, uh, corporates they had actually donated computers right to these village schools But the problem is if your village school is way in the wilds who's going to maintain it so when the keyboard conks out or the power supply conks out who's going to maintain it right nobody can because i mean for the maintenance engineer it is a full day trip to one village school so the maintenance wasn't happening it was just lying there unused what these guys did was because it was tablets low cost and easy to carry around it's like an ipad a cheaper version of an ipad so every time somebody went to these village schools from i dream they would go for their regular visits monitoring and so on and so forth and helping the teachers they would carry spare tablets two tablets down no problem i'll replace them bring them back and they'll get repaired uh, or software will be reloaded uh, in uh, my uh, at my head office so you know all these things i thought this was a phenomenal example of great execution in a very tough environment you know where you don't have electricity you don't have the internet you can't have people going for maintenance they solved everything so i must tell you that i have actually uh, set up one such it's called a tab lab by the way tablet based lab i have set up one such tab lab in my hometown uh, which is shimla and one government school girls school and those kids have a well over time they keep learning and uh, there's no maintenance issue there's no internet issue there's no electricity issue so i think ex- execution again there is no formula but these guys okay so let me put it like this for execution you have to understand what's happening on the ground what are the problems on the ground what are the issues you're likely to face keep your ear to the ground that's the only way you'll get execution right and where does uh, investors fit into all this okay so um so first of all investors look for dream founders very simple right one of the top things that the i would say the first thing the most important thing the investor looks for is who is the founder right and all these things fall into place right does he have his ear to the ground does he have the right attitude does he dream big etc etc um many of these uh, startups which i have spoken about have been getting repeated rounds of funding okay 
Um, so, for example, maybe I'll share one more story. Uh, I think the last story, which you would not have read so far, is a story about a company called Planet Spark. Very interesting story and probably the highlight of this book, uh, which is why it's at the end. So, these are two very bright young uh, guys and they had created a digitized, uh, organized series of tuition centers. So, for teaching maths and English. Because, you know, normally in a tuition center, what happens is, um, you know, you're sitting in the, at the dining table of the tuition teacher and the pressure cooker would, the whistle would blow and somebody would phone up and all kinds of interruptions, right? So, they said, we will organize it. So, they actually tied up with OYO rooms and they took very good rooms in residential areas and uh, they had a mentor and they had digital content on laptops. So, very good. COVID hit them. So, by the way, they got investments. They got two rounds of funding and uh, we, I'm from Lead Angels, so we had also invested in the second round. So, I had also personally invested. I think these guys are one of the best examples of, I've seen of... Um, uh, you know, the last part of the dream founder, which is making opportunities out of crisis. Crisis hit them, COVID. Now, COVID, mein, what happens? Nobody goes out, right? There's a lockdown. Even after the lockdown, no parent will send their child to a school. So, forget the tuition center. Don't send it to a school. I mean, why would he come to a tuition center? So, everything stopped. The business completely stopped, correct? Now what these guys did was they said, okay, we have uh, uh, a lot of content, so let us offer that content on the internet. And the mentor will also be available on the internet. Wonderful, good pivot. The problem is they were now competing with guys like Baiju's. You can't compete with <laughs> Mehmet, right? Baiju's is a, I mean, he's the king of the jungle. So it didn't work. So they kept persevering. You know, I keep talking about attitude, keep persevering, keep persevering which is exactly what you also said. So they said, look, uh, let's try extracurricular stuff. So they tried drawing, painting, they tried dance, they tried dramatics, they tried, um, uh, sorry, not dramatics, they tried robotics, uh, they tried music, singing, nothing really caught on, right? nothing really caught on. Then I think their seventh or eighth thing that they tried was, you know, if you look at a typical parent, the parent wants two things. The child from the from uh, during the education during the time that the child is uh, in school, one is the child should get good marks. They should be good learning and therefore, you know, ultimately graduate into a good college. And two is the child has to be able to face the world. So the child should be confident in speaking. The child should be able to face a crowd and speak, right? And these guys suddenly hit upon this whole idea of public speaking for children. Okay, there was nobody else. There were some small unorganized guys, but these guys were funded. They had a brand, they had built up a brand and they said, okay, now we will do public speaking for children. Today, they have grown phenomenally. And you asked about investors. They have had four rounds of funding. And the last round of funding, which is about a year back, was at uh, 75 times the first round. Even before this, they had one more round, but I'll ignore that. So actually, they went up 150 times, but even from the first uh, angel network round, which is, I think, Indian angel network, they went up 75 times, right? So 
you know people who have the right attitude people who keep pivoting keep persevering investors are delighted and investors are just chasing them so i would say you know if you are a dream founder and if you follow the kind of things that uh, uh, we keep talking about there is money available investors are very happy to invest bits about books is brought to you by pitchlink the buyer seller engagement platform Pitchlink makes buying easy by enabling high quality engagement between buyers and sellers through its presentation and discussion modules. Sellers create customized sales narratives using sales collaterals and personal videos and reach out to prospects through a non-intrusive buyer qualified engagement. Pitchlink requires no installation or download and holds the entire repository of sales collaterals and buyer seller conversations. Talk to us to know more about how you can engage with customers without intrusion. Call us on nine nine zero two one six three one three two. Dhruv, this was a delightful discussion, and I think people who uh, end up reading your book will benefit uh, greatly from listening to you on this one. Uh, there's a lot in there, and uh, and I hope it is as big a success as your last one. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Great talking to you. We have a fantastic lineup over the next couple of episodes with great conversations on breakthrough books. Subscribe in your favorite podcast app so you do not miss a single episode. Thanks for listening. Thank you for being with us today on Bits About Books, where we talk to authors about breakthrough books on sales, marketing, and business. We hope this conversation helped inform and motivate as we all navigate a rapidly changing business environment. For us, these are enlightening conversations enriched with knowledge and expertise. We encourage you to go out and buy the book to learn firsthand and implement some of the great ideas we discussed today. We hope to have you with us again in the next exciting episode of Bits About Books. If you liked what you heard, Subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast platforms like iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcast from, and give us a rating while you are at it. This Biscast original podcast is produced for Pitchlink, the next generation buyer seller engagement platform, where the mission is to make buying easy. Hosted by Subhanjan Sarkar and produced by Rajiv Aditya. See you next time and have a wonderful day.